This episode is sponsored by JDAQA Software Testing, your scalable solution for manual, automated, security, and performance testing. Check us out at JDAQA.com. And with that, let's get on with the show. This is the first customer hosted by Jay Agnew. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the First Customer Podcast. My name is Jay Agner. Today, I'm lucky enough to be joined by Brittany Jenkins. She is the founder of We Are Tech. It's a company that's building an ed tech platform to provide underserved communities equitable digital literacy tools and resources. I think I got through all of that pretty well. Brittany, thank you for joining me. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. I, we were just talking about some interesting stuff before we started kind of some pivoting and just, you know, your branding and all sorts of stuff. But let's start with where you came from. Where'd you grow up? And do you think that had any impact on you being an entrepreneur later in life? I think when I grew up has a bigger impact on me becoming an entrepreneur than where. But I grew up in San Diego, California. My family is from the East Coast. The military brought us to the West. And yeah, I grew up very in a very laid back type of, you know, environment. We're beach people, you know, always at the beach, just taking our time. And I think in terms of being an entrepreneur, that did attribute to me being able to just move my own pace because everywhere else I've ever lived, been challenged with moving at the city's pace because I grew up in Southern California. I've always been able to just kind of level out in my own pace. <laughs> and entrepreneurship requires you to just really be able to manage your own pace and go with, you know, the flow and the, the waves and the tides of like what may come mm -hmm. in your business development journey. So yeah, I guess you can say where I grew up did attribute to um, me being an entrepreneur. Um, but I think more so when I grew up, like I'm a 90s baby. Um, I grew up during that time where technology, digital technology was really starting to get, you know, integrated into, you know, everybody's everyday life. My first phone was that Nokia little brick phone when I was like maybe like in the 10th or 6th grade or no 6th or 5th grade. And yeah, that time just made you very scrappy. If you wanted to access the internet, you had to plug up dial connection into the wall. If you wanted to record, you know, things on your, on your TV, you had to plug in a VCR. Like I think that time just having to be very in old technology, having to program your MySpace page, having to burn CDs. Well, you weren't supposed to, but still, like, having to really hack technology together, I think that made me very entrepreneurial. Yeah, it just made me have, learn how to figure things out. Did you have any entrepreneurs in your life when you were growing up? I, in my family, growing up, I did see a couple entrepreneurs in my city. Like, a friend of mine, her owned a chicken shack my friend Siobhan Charles yeah she's really dope he owned a chicken spot uh, that was honestly one of my only exposures of people to being being an entrepreneur like everybody I grew up around you know blue collar or like corporate jobs you know working for the county working for like, you know school I didn't really have a lot of entrepreneurs around okay that is the case sometimes. Sometimes it's an acquired skill set, you know, and just yeah. picked up as you go. So, so tell me about We Are Tech. You know, we talked a little bit about it was maybe more of an org focused kind of thing. 
you're pivoting to be more of a platform. But tell me, where did the idea come from? Where did you kind of come up with this? And tell me how the, the genesis of We Are Tech. Well, it started, I guess the ethos behind it started when I was working in the tech industry. I quickly learned that there was a lack of diversity in the tech industry and not just diversity in terms of race, but also diversity in thought. And that really bothered me. You know, it, it gets very exhausting when not in a company or not in an environment that one may not fully accept you, but also does not always understand where you're coming from, especially when it comes to tech. Tech is deeply integrated into our daily habits. And I firmly believe that a tech company has to reflect audience of the people who are using the platform in order for a company to equitably serve or empathetically serve. So that really bothered me. I ended up volunteering one time for this. It was like a it was like a seminar where some girls came to our company to learn about coding. And I volunteered for that. And I just really liked the way the young girls' faces just lit up. I was just like, wow, you guys really like this. You guys like learning. And like, you guys are really warm toward me in terms of learning this from me. So it was just really cool to have that experience. And that made me want to get an education. So I became a teacher. And I became a tech teacher in North Philly. Shout out to Simon Grass High School. Yeah, I became a teacher. And while I was there, I learned why there was a lack of diversity in the tech industry. There were barely any students that I taught that really understood the basic digital literacy. And I mean, like keyboard shortcuts, like things like that. Like this generation, this younger generation, a lot of times people just expect them to know things about tech, but they're really the touchscreen generation. So they don't really understand about different interfaces, keyboarding, using a mouse trackpad. Like there's just little nuances in tech. It's just lost all that the kids teach. So that just made me understand like they're struggling with this. They're not matriculating into any type of college, you know, study that is going to lead them on the pathway to being in the tech industry. You know, mm-hmm. like you, know, you can't. Do, if you don't know what control paste is, there's a high probability that you may not understand basic engineering, you know what I mean, or different, you know what I mean? Like, there's just certain things where, you're like, you need those parallels in order for someone to have the transferable, you know, aptitude to articulate into a tech role. And, yeah, that, that made me just want to really start an organization. Originally, we started the organization to do workshops and do office visits. So right before the pandemic, I had scheduled an office visit at at Facebook, which is now Meta. I had an opportunity to work there back in 2016. So I had some really good relationships there. Scheduled an office visit, scheduled a workshop for my students just to do like a pilot, like what We Are Tech can be. Getting kids in the environment, learning the skills so that they can see themselves in position. And then the pandemic occurred and everything got canceled. So, so it was just like, yeah, no, like you think you're about to do this, but this is not how this is going to go. So, but it, I mean, it birthed a whole new part of the business. I thought we were going to be just a nonprofit org where we're exposing kids to tech, you know, through these workshops and office visits. And quickly I became the tech integration specialist at the school that I was teaching at, which was grads at the time. So 
immediately started making documents to teach people keyboarding, teach people how to navigate Google Classroom and various other platforms for the staff and for my students. So it was a full immersive exposure to like, here's the problem. People really don't understand basic technology. The reason why that is because digital literacy education is not standardized nationwide. And when you look, you know, like English, math, science, there's right. statewide, nationwide standards for what you need to know. Whereas like digital literacy, there isn't anything like. It's your, just a your, computer class or something, right? Like it's Exactly. Yeah. Your principal, your district, you know, supervisors, all these people, they're not held accountable to any type of standard system that says by this grade, our kids need to know how this works with computers. By this age, they need to do that. Like there's nothing there. Oftentimes, it's a lot of one shoot. One where they're like, okay, we have, like you said, computer class, or we have a graphic design elective, or we have, you know, engineering 101 elective. So that just let me know. I already had a hunch. Here's why I want to be in this space because it's important for equity, it's important for inclusion. But then once I was putting on that seat, I was like, oh, there actually needs to be a product here. I can't just do this for one school community and it shouldn't be one person and on top of that there's not a bunch of people like me there's not a bunch of people from the tech industry leaving the tech industry to go work in education in order for kids to get this education mm -hmm. so i was like you know there needs to be a platform can make it easy where one it makes it more accessible where people can just go into the platform and access the resources they need or gauge where they are in their understanding you know create a pathway in that way Teachers need resources, so whenever there's digital literacy integrated into their curriculum, say an English teacher needs to teach kids how to make a works cited page, but may not understand the language around teaching kids, you know, the user interface of Word or Google Docs, mm -hmm. there needs to be something there that can address that. So started, you know, building, started building. I went back into my tech bag. I'm like, all right, I know this process. I've been a part of this process before, so... I started mocking up some UIs, reached out to strategic partner, a partnership that I built, and just built, you know, built a working prototype. You know, it's been really cool. Like, now we're at the point where, as I was sharing before, like, we're transitioning from an organization to needing to rebrand a product. Mm -hmm. We have something that people can use, and it needs to stand on its own product and platform versus an organization. Who is the user, or not the user, who is the purchaser or your target customer to acquire this platform that you'd be selling? Is it school districts? Is it individual families? Is it individual people? Is it teachers? Like how, who's buying this thing and kind of applying it to the school setting? Well, that's a good question. And I'm in having a product like this, and I think, can you hear me? Because I think, yeah, can you hear me? Yeah. Okay, cool. I think the next thing I'm about to say will be very useful for social impact businesses because oftentimes when you make a social impact product, the target audience that you're engaging may not be mm -hmm. your customer, may be the person sponsoring your target audience. And that's something that I learned We are tech. So our target audience, even though a lot of people are old people, they would love this. They need to learn tech. And I'm like, that's cool. But good <laughs> thing. 
right. the younger people, you know, K through 12, and we're, we're honing in on the 6th through 12th grade because they have a lot more autonomy. They can use it more as an individual. Mm-hmm. Our target audience are 6th through 12th grade students, and our target customer would be the sponsors of them. So we're do teacher where teachers can purchase the curriculum, the platform, access to the platform, and sponsor like a classroom size of students. Organizations, we've been working with nonprofits with our workshops, and we find they definitely purchase what we have to offer to share it with, you know, organization members. And eventually, I would love to do a family plan, but we haven't finished with that flag yet, so I haven't really been pitching that or including it in my pitch deck at all. But but yeah, we're targeting the people who sponsor our target audience to have access to our platform and customers. Got it. That makes a lot of sense. Thank you. Um, so maybe if you have if you're going through this rebrand now, you've kind of learned some lessons along the way. I usually ask this question to companies that have been around for a while, but I'm curious what your answer would be. If you had to start over again tomorrow from square one, you know, you've done all these things, you've learned all this stuff. If you were going to start out to build a product to provide, you know, these equitable, you know, access to you know, digital literacy, what would be step one if you had to start over again tomorrow? UX research. And how would you do that, by the way? That's a great, that's a great answer. Very specifically, how would you go about doing that? Surveys. I would do what we're doing now. Like originally I had a concept and was like, oh, let's build this. And then I went and built it and it was cool. And, but I find that like, and I think a lot of startups do this, they build something or they have an idea and they go and build it. And when they test it, they try to make the data validate what they built. of course right right yes yeah, so we spent like, a bunch of time and money building something it better validate what we just did yeah and it's just like no like we're you're not in the business of product you're in the business of people yeah point like period when you're an entrepreneur you're in the business of people what do people need what do people want because nobody is going to just buy something as you said you built it and you want them to buy it like, no you have to really understand the problem understand the pain point, understand the need, understand, you know, the value of solving that problem, the value of, you know, your solution solving that problem. So I would have done a lot more user experience research because when you do that, you can really, without building anything, you can analyze people's experience around, especially in some of the workflows, you can analyze their experience around the problem you're addressing with their use products. So instead of having to spend all that money, if you're building something that's like a live streaming platform, you can survey people about their experience, all the other streaming platforms. Like when you use YouTube Live, Facebook Live, Instagram Live, Twitch, when you use all these different platforms, you know, what is your experience? Like, how do you mm-hmm. log in, you know? You can ask tons of questions and then get insight on, okay, here's who the pain point is. Here's what other platforms are doing that they need a platform to do. Let's build that. That's a great, that's a great. And so I I love that very much. And I talk about this quite a bit 
on the show and just in general to other friends, market research has to be like the biggest boogeyman in the world, right? Like it's the scariest, but probably most easy to do thing. You know, it's like, it's a very daunting task to go out and say like, I'm going to do that. So I am curious if you were building, you know, just pick an example. If you were doing a live stream, if you're doing maybe even your own platform and you were going to go do market research, tell me kind of, you know, tactically, like, how do you do that? Would you like find people on the street? Would you like call people? Would you like find people online? Like, do you send them a spreadsheet? Like, how would you acquire that information from potential customers or people who use platforms like ones you were going to build? There's a variety. So you can always, so here, I'll say this. It's good to interact with people who are part of the demographic that you want to appeal to that you don't know. So like oftentimes people get sucked into like, okay, I want to build this thing for uh, salon owners because I'm in the beauty industry and I noticed that all the salon owners that I know, they struggle with this. So what happens is because you're in in that industry, you tend to go to the people you know. And then those 10, 15, maybe even 100 people you know, they all are, you know, oh, yeah, and yeah, I like that. I like that. But nine times out of ten, like, they like you. They know you, and they want to encourage you, you know. You need to put yourself in a position where you can survey a test sample of people that you don't know. So that's step one. So, and there's other ways so to step out of, you know, your inner circle and think outside, okay, how can I people I don't know that are still in this demographic that I want to appeal to? rooting in reality step one the two is look at the different strategies you can take so if you want to do and i think these strategies can be based off the sample mm-hmm. as you want to work on folks so like with tech a thousand is a really a standard sample size in terms of traction like any pitch you'd ever do with any investor it would be great to say like we talk to a thousand people you know but hey it's 200 that's fine too there's ways to Identify what's the the best uh, sample size for you. And there's actually a book that I learned about in the Early Validation Academy that I'm a part of that they talked about. It's something about statistics. Sucks I forgot what it's called. But there's books on like, you know, just literally Google the words UX research and statistics. And you'll see like, or UX research, statistics, manga. And there's literally one book that's going to come up for that. But anyway. Yeah, identify the strategy. If you want to work with a small sample size, maybe you might want to do like some hands-on focus group. If you want to do a larger sample size, surveys. There's different market research testing or that you want to do. So surveys, focus groups, can't think of a lot more of them right now. But even workshops. I think workshops work too because like that's the tool we're using our tech. Like workshops put you in a position you can put it out there in terms of like what you're about, especially if you're a social impact. You can create some type of themed workshop around what you're about and then puts you in a mixture. You're in a focus group slash you're probably testing content on your platform to refine it. And then after the workshop, you can give somebody a survey and it's like a full immersive kind of like market Mm -hmm. research process. And then one, I think that is, dope 
lead generation tactics. So like marketing funnels and lead generation tactics, I think that's something I want to get deeper into. So like if you wanted to identify identify with those people who are part of your demographic that you don't know, you can set up, you know, a web page, put some Facebook ads out into the ether, Instagram ads, any type of social media ads, put them out into the ether and lead those people to that web page that has your survey or a brief, you know, tidbit about what you're doing and get people serving that way. There's, you know, there's a few different things you can do. I know one thing we're going to do at We Are Tech is do some assessment. So kind of like the 16 personalities test, we're going to create an assessment that people can do and let that be a funnel into the, into our, you know, our ecosystem of content. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, yeah. Get rooted in reality, you know, in terms of stepping outside of the people that you know. I think of what type of test sample is going to work for you, whether it be small, large, and then think about the tactics fall within that. You know, don't be shy with a type form or paper form. You know, those tools work. (laughs) I love those answers. All right, let's switch gears a little bit because I am curious. I think I have a good read on your type of personality, which is very kind of consistently inspired and you get excited by, (laughs) you know, by putting new things out into the world and kind of seeing how people react and building things. I can appreciate that. I can appreciate that mindset. So, but my question is, what are your hobbies? What do you do to not be dialed in all the damn time and like just relax a little bit and not be thinking about the next big thing? Oh man, I try. I really like collaging, even though I haven't done it in so long. I like the outdoors. So I love going on like hikes and stuff. Hiking out here is different than it was in Cali though. Like in California, like I used to drive hours to go for a hike because even though you don't have to, you could hike, you know, down the street, you know, at the park that's 15 minutes away. But I would drive for a while to go hike because those beach spots, oh my gosh, those beach spots are just like an oasis. Mm. But I live near the Wissahickon out here in, in Philly. So I'm always going to Wissahickon Park to walk with my dog yeah, that's pretty much it. Hacking and collaging. And since I haven't collaged in a while, I've actually taken up 3D design. Okay. Um, I like that a lot. Like, I feel like 3D is like, a, it's like a catch-all. Like, I get to be creative. You have that as an outlet, and it's a lucrative field. So I get to build on something I could do to earn money building my Beautiful. All right. One last Thank question. You. One last question, non-business related, and I'm even going to throw another caveat on this one because I feel like I'm going to lead you to an answer if I don't say this. <laughs> no, you know, non-business related, non, you know, non-community, non, you know, equity related, just more of you personally. If you could do anything on earth, maybe a bucket list item, maybe anything else, and you knew you couldn't fail, what would it be? And knew I couldn't fail. <laughs> I guess for me, failing means like, you know, just dropping everything and not like not taking care of anything. So I would just travel. <laughs> that's a great answer. See, that's a fair, work, honest. That's an honest, <laughs> fair answer. And I love we it. Travel. It's fully accepted. Travel I love it. 
It's mine. I think mine's very similar. I would do the same thing. I have five kids and one on the way, so travel for me Woo! failure is always uh not even an option. It's guaranteed. So uh yeah, I That's... I appreciate uh that answer. I love to travel and see new things. So I, I love that answer. All right. If if you want to find you if people want to find you, Brittany, if they want to find We Are Tech or whatever the future name is going to be of your platform, what should they do to reach out to, to talk to you? If you want to contact me directly, you could DM me on Instagram at B the Influence. It's B the letter B T H E Influence, all spelled out. But if you want to reach out to We Are Tech, we are on Instagram as well. It's We Are Tech. But also swing by our website, We Are Tech Education. Even though we are going to go through a rebrand, everything will be forward into our to our new everything so yeah reach out dm me i'm always available there even reach out to me on linkedin you can search up Brittany p jenkins on linkedin and message me love talking about startups i think this would give energy because tech entrepreneurship is not for the faint of heart like it is the hardest thing you'll ever do in your life but it really brings me a lot of joy so have any questions or want to just talk let me know beautiful you're very inspirational i think the city of philadelphia is lucky to have adopted you i'm glad you're here i expect big things from you i love your energy i think you know there's certain people i talk to that you can tell her are heading towards something and i certainly feel that way about you so i wish you the absolute best of luck i will definitely make it a point to find you at some of these events that I'm sure we're both yeah. at in Philly. Yeah. So I look forward to seeing you in person and enjoy the rest of your week. Have a great weekend. Thank you for being on. I'll talk to you soon, Brittany. Yes. Thank you. See ya. Thank you.